first of all, let me get this stuff with my dad and so get it. They don't want to get a nasty tweet from Donald Trump. I wish he'd stay off Twitter. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Well, either way. Why are you here? You're supposed to be asleep. I am here determined to stop this future atrocity. It's just not a natural thing we would do in our society. You don't see that. Yes. Two things that have only never let me down in this entire country's history. The First Amendment and Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Let me tell you, the one that matters is me. Well, uh, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, who host the popular uh, radio talk show, ask the same question of their listeners, and here's their response. At this point, the only thing it can't do is smoke weed in the alley behind the store. This is Ed McMahon, and now, here's Armstrong and Getty. So I just heard the former CIA director give an interview in which he said he believes that Putin has something on Trump. Wow. Wow. I heard the tease for that interview. I didn't hear it. That's a heck of a thing. Wow. Wow. That's a heck of a thing. Yeah, heck of a thing is... if it's a true. It's a heck of a thing if it's not true. And the former CIA director saying it. Well, there was another you know, questionable <clears throat> episode this week. The calling of Putin a quote-unquote yeah, congratulated. I'd that, say. That would be explained by that. That doesn't make it true. Yeah, it's odd, though. Live from Studio C, a dimly lit room where, deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound, and today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Good guys stopping bad guys from hurting anyone else. Whether at that Maryland school or the Texas bomber guy, they caught him, they busted him, they shot him dead. Well, he blowed himself up as they were about to shoot him dead. Good. Or, you know, Glad he's dead. I'm yeah. Glad that one's over. What the hell was up with that? I don't know. Uh, that, that's the question that remains. 24-year-old white male. That's all we know yep. at this point. I know. You know, it's funny. Judy said to me, uh, well, we could talk about this later. That's a white guy crime, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Weren't you picturing a white guy? Well, and Judy well, Judy and I were talking about this yesterday, and uh, and he said, she said, you know, the guy was blah, 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 guy, and she said, well, I assume it's a guy, and I thought it's 100% a guy. Uh, you know, you morons with your... You know, sex is just this cultural, it's taught, it's then great. You're just crazy, all right? You're mentally ill. There's things dudes do, there's things gals do. There's things some gals do that dudes do, but mostly dudes do it, you know? And everybody knows it. Like paint their toenails? Like paint their toenails and bombs! Mm. Uh, there is um, uh, a reason for us to introduce everybody in the squad. So you can say hello to them to start off the day. There's a uh, board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. Hi, this morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Just uh, 32 days till April 23rd. That's good to know. Um, yep. Hey, listen, that <laughs> the TV, um, a TV movie about this whole Austin bomber thing. I could totally see it. I mean, it's a fascinating story. I mean, I think the guy was working with somebody else because these bombs are like supposedly really sophisticated. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah. Why do you think he was working with somebody else? You think a twenty-four-year-old can't build a bomb, or what? What's your theory? I kind of want. I kind of think that maybe he was testing things out, maybe for a bigger attack, possibly. Oof! I, I, mean, hope, I, not. I hope not. But I was just. I hope not. Well, we'll learn more. The guy's you know, dead. That's not going to help. But they're, uh, you know, they're going through his apartment or his car, or his Facebook, and all that sort of stuff as we speak. I'm sure. So right, right. What sort of murderous Looney Tune was he? 
And if he was a Republican or a Democrat, oh, he'd be a yeah, huge yeah, Tea yeah, Party yeah. member. I heard he's Tea Party member. Oh, uh, him, him in a MAGA hat. Look for that at some oh, point today. Oh, boy. Whether he ever wore one oh, or yeah. not, it'll oh, be yeah. online. It's online now. There is a Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. I'm a big fan of uh, statistics and data and looking into that sort of stuff. I, found... I like 78% of statistics. That's, that's a good number. That's a good number of them to like, because it's clearly that there's some that no. shouldn't be liked. Uh, this from the Pew Research Center. Uh, the percentage of people born between 1981, hey, that's me, and 1996 who are registered Republicans is 17%. That's down from 27% in the same group of people 10 years ago. Gen X is also uh, showing similar trends as those bo- born between 65 and 80. Uh, it was 34% in the mid-90s, now down to 25% today. Yeah, I wonder what they're registered as. I wonder if they're uh, libertarians or green or something else. I wonder, Or just not registered. Registered as sex offenders. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, as has happened in Britain, Italy, France, people are not digging the old parties that much. Not that much. There's Marshall Phillips, who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? I am doing very well. Celebrity birthdays on this first... Yes, I like a celebrity birthday. On this first full day of spring, it's... Bueller. There is Bueller's... Bueller. Birthday today. (laughs) It's a Bueller. Actor Matthew Broderick turning 56. His... How could anyone possibly go to school on such a beautiful day? I know. His net worth, $45 million. Now, combined with his wife, Sarah Jessica Parker, oh. the couple is worth $145 million. Whoa, whoa, they're, whoa. Uh, they're a pretty successful celebrity couple. Yes, they are. There aren't many of those. They've been they, married yeah. since 97. Yeah. So, uh, and on, a, on, on, another, uh, on another hand, we've got uh, Rosie O'Donnell, who's hitting 56 today. Rosie's net worth, $100 million. Rosie O'Donnell's worth $100 million? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought you said $100 million. <laughs> $100 million. From, from what? Oh, she created. Oh, wait a second. No, I was thinking of Roseanne Barr, Rosie O'Donnell. From what? Her stand-up stuff and hundred million. What, what was her big thing, Sean? Rosie O'Donnell. She she yeah. had her daytime talk show yeah. for a long time. Oh, right. was that it? Made lots of money mm, off okay. that. Wow, oh, I have no <laughs> recollection of that. Now, I don't remember her having a daytime talk show. Really? I really do not. Wow. Okay. Yeah, she would have jokes on three by five cards. She says, the last joke. How do I know it's the last joke? It's taped to the desk, and the audience yeah. would all say it along. It was right. hilarious. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember. crush on Tom Cruise, right? It's cutie patooties. Everybody was a cutie patootie. Oh, right, right. You know, people don't get how lucrative daytime housefrau TV is. It is. Judge Judy makes $100 million a year. That's why every, you know, movie starlet and whomever tries to trot out one of those talk shows. Ellen DeGeneres, huge money. Megyn Kelly, that's why they put her there, because there's so much money there. I've never lived a lifestyle where I would watch those kind of shows, but a lot of people do, apparently. Selling Tide to house frows. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, women make most of the buying decisions in, in the house uh, because uh, guys just can't be bothered. Um, <clears throat> so there's a tremendous amount of money. My there. wife's a stay-at-home mom, and it's unthinkable for her to be sitting on the couch watching Ellen DeGeneres or something. But anyway, uh, we are talking to the secretary of something or other coming up in a few minutes. Is Health that and right? Human Services about the new opioid uh, program. The actual secretary, the actual head of the department. The cabinet yeah. member. Wow. Yes. That's exciting. Do you have another celebrity birthday we need to jam in? Just one last one. Gary Oldman, the Oscar-winning actor. He is 60 today. His net worth, $50 million. So there you go. A trio of birthdays. Fantastic. Uh, I'm Jack. How, why did the secretary decide to come on our show? He must have mistaken it for something else. 
Uh, I've I would got assume. most of the cabinet on my speed dial. Oh, you? Yeah. Yeah. That's handy. Yeah. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this first day of spring, March 21st, the year 21, uh, 2018, we're setting you straight in 21-8. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, let's begin anesthetizing you, according to FCC rules and regulations. Uh, here we go at Mark. Dang it. Was alerted and immediately responded and engaged the shooter. DFC Blaine Gaskell fired at the shooter, and what is described to me is almost simultaneously the shooter fired. Well, glad he's dead. That's good news. We're going to talk to a reporter about that a little bit later. Blaine Gaskill needed a, he deserved a better, smooth intro into that sound clip than I gave him. Apologies, good sir. And we're talking to the actual secretary of the department dealing with the opioid crisis on a federal level. I mean, the president declared it a national emergency. Yeah, it's in the early days. I mean, they're just proposing something or other, but we'll figure out what it is. The president who called an evil dictator yesterday and congratulated him on his fraudulent election, which is weird. (laughs) That's a little odd. Uh, We'll talk about that later, too. Stay tuned for all this coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And we've got this breaking news. Joe Biden has just said if he and Trump were in high school together, he would have beat him up. Oh, right. As our national discourse continues to degenerate. Wow. Oh. It's a race to the bottom, ladies and gentlemen. Join yeah. in. When it comes to national discourse, bet the under. <laughs> All right. Oh, Thank boy. you for tuning in. We have mailbag coming up a little bit later on. We've postponed it because we uh, now have the honor to talk to Alex Azar, the Secretary of Health and Human Services for the United States of America. Mr. Secretary, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm uh, really glad to be on your show. Thank you. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. We were hoping for the Secretary of Defense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, hey, but my department's twice as big as his. Oh, is that right? Yes. In, in what in what terms, people? In money, one point two trillion dollars. I had it's only about six hundred. Nobody million, knows you know? that. You Small. should you should mention that at the beginning of every interview. Nobody knows that. That's that's a stunning. We're bigger than the British Empire. And what's the what's most of the money spent on? Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare. Okay. There you go. There you go. There so, you go. So yeah, our our, our biggest chunk of money. Yep. Um, and, and and our biggest threat for driving the country broke all in your department. Yeah, hey, uh, Mike, if uh, if uh, General Mattis calls, put him on hold. Oh, yeah. This is really interesting so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, listen, it's practically inevitable that you would you would take your position and have some enormous challenge because, you know, health and, and, and disease and medical care is such a huge deal. But uh, the opioid crisis has got to be uh, a special challenge for you all. What do you have planned? I know the president president's been talking about that. It's absolutely a devastating crisis. Um, it, 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 it really is shocking. 116 Americans are dying every day from opioid overdose. Um, I was out in the Dayton area in Ohio a couple weeks ago. I met with a girl. She's 17 years old. Her sister died of overdose. Her mother and father both died of opioid overdose. Her grandmother, whose care she was then put in, was an opioid addict, died from complications from opioids. Then she's in a group home. She herself is an addict. She's seven, day, seven weeks clean and hoping to graduate from high school. But right there, three generations in that one poor girl's family. And you used an example from Ohio, and so many examples I hear are from Ohio. Why is it certain parts of the country that this seems to be so much worse in? 
Well, there are some parts of the country where it is really just at the extreme, but I'll tell you, there are, there are very few places in this country that have been unhit by the opioid crisis. So, you know, across your, your, your listenership, um, in every community, they're getting, they're getting hit with this. And what's going on is you have these legal opioids, so painkillers for people that um, folks go and get prescribed for, you know, a, a hip replacement or a sore back or a wisdom tooth. They're given too many of them. They get addicted to them. They then eventually get cut off by their doctor or their pharmacy or their insurance company. And then what's happened is they've tra- they transitioned to very cheap heroin or fentanyl, which is this shockingly potent, very inexpensive um, opioid. And those are, have become available through various gangs that are quite efficient and effective within America. And so what you see is the bigger overdoses and conversions to those illegal opioids happen just really depending on where these gangs have been able to, uh, to infiltrate effectively. But it's almost everywhere, well, almost this, everywhere in this country. This is a, a multi-headed monster. I mean, you, you, you're going to have to have state and federal law enforcement on this big. You've got to go after big pharma and over... Yep prescribing yep then you got gangs and drug dealers and and the uh, you know the the kind of the softer uh, issue of of why people are reaching for this stuff and how to get them off of the drugs this is a monster it is it is and that's why uh, the president laid out on monday just an incredibly bold program here to try to tackle this problem um, with just historic goals and investment behind it um, the first is preventing addiction and that's the folks, most people who become addicts uh, to the to the illegal heroin and illegal opioids are starting with these legal products, and they're they're not seeking to be addicts. They're not seeking to get high. Um, these are people who have pain, and they're trying to manage their pain, and they become addicted through no fault of theirs. You said most. Is that statistically known that most people that end up hooked on this didn't start out to uh, to get high? That is correct. Okay. It, is, it, it is statistically known. Um, it is the vast majority of people are falling innocently into a cycle of addiction. That's why we say this is not a moral failing of these people. This is a medical crisis. And that's why we then have to to cut off, as we talked about, that supply of illicit opioids that they transition to. And third, we have to help these people get out of the trap of addiction. We've got to have, we've got medically assisted treatment and programs to help them get out of that and stay out of it from relapsing. I got a question about that, but first I wanted to ask about um, the, the getting addicted. People have been in pain forever. Uh, powerful painkillers have been around for, for a very long time. What changed? So um, we had these very powerful opi- illegal opioids that in the 90s became very prevalent. And frankly, uh, there were some illegal and unethical marketing practices that, uh, that were engaged in by, 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 uh, drug, by at least one drug company. And there was already some accountability there um, in, back in the 2000s for the conduct on basically saying to, to doctors and to patients that, um, that these products were not actually addictive, that they were totally safe and um, and could be used for everything. And the whole medical profession we focused we focused in the 90s also on managing pain. And it was it wasn't an illegitimate goal to say, hey, if the patient is suffering, you do need to worry about their pain. But like so much, when you when you start rewarding physicians and hospitals based on are you managing pain and is your patient happy. 
people study for the test and they and 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 they start giving out these these legal opioids to people um, and you know getting a wisdom tooth taken out and giving them ninety pills. I've had that very Ridiculous. experience. I've had you that have. very experience. Yeah. Well, would you promise me that if you have any of those left at home, you'll you'll take them back into a pharmacy or a doctor's office? Because that's one thing I want your listeners to know is um, having any of these opioids in your house. You may think you're storing them up for a bat, for for another problem or something else. This is a danger to you, to your kids, to your parents, to anyone in that house. Get them out of your house safely to a take-back program. Alex Azar is the Secretary of Health and Human Services. I'm sure we don't have to tell you that there's a very, very low batting average for success for drug rehab. Um, and under the Obama administration, various regulations were passed in which any moron in Florida, for instance, could open up a phony rehab place and make millions of dollars off the taxpayers. And even the good ones don't succeed very often. Well, right, yeah, that's what I'm saying, even the good ones. So I, I, how are you approaching that, given yeah. that enormous challenge? That's a great question, and because even if I think the statistics are 50 percent of, uh, of people addicted to opioids, even after getting clean, will end up relapsing within <sighs> six months, I believe, if I remember the, the statistic correctly. Because the, the, the addictive power of these, it can actually rewire your brain. Um, uh, to to have sort of long term um, long long term need for this. Now, the good news is we have really good evidence based programs. It's called medication assisted therapy. That's where we wean you off, and we also can give you medicine that will block the ability of the opioid to even have an impact on your body. Um, it's called op- you know opiate receptor blocking. Um, we have medicines for that. We can. The problem is only one third of treatment facilities engage in this medically assisted treatment, mm. and then we also have to recognize the fact that for some people, they may we may get them cured of their addiction, but they may remain physically dependent on some type of opioid. But it allows them to function. They live a normal life. They do not pull back into addiction. They do not escalate. Um, and, and that's a perfectly acceptable, medically proven approach to dealing with this that can help people just go on with their lives after a, one of these deep opioid addiction cycles. But we need more research, and we need to get more, more quality programs out there and good oversight of the ones we have. Interesting. Uh, Alex Azar is the Secretary of Health and Human Services. We barely have a minute left. Uh, final question. Your boss, uh, what's his name? Uh, Trump, colorful fellow. Uh, how do you like uh, working with the POTUS? I absolutely love working for him. Um, he is a man of such courage and vision. You know, he, the, traditional politicians live in fear of this issue or that issue, and they always ask, what does this interest group or that interest group think? I have spent a lot of time with this president. He has never once asked me what one group or the other thinks. He's willing to take on special interests and just do what he thinks is right and empower me to do what I think is right, serving serving the American people, and that is really a, there that's is a great n- boss. There is no doubt that that is true. Yeah, um, yeah. Orange hair don't care. He just he just does what he wants. Right, right. Alex Azar, Secretary of Health and Human Services, really enjoyed the chat, and I think all Americans are rooting for success in this uh, challenge because it's a, it's a rough one. Good to talk to you. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I've never seen statistics that high. I mean, he was talking about 50% are re-addicted in six months. I've never seen statistics that high for success, so... Um, oh, oh, are cured? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, you know, my, my concern as a fiscal conservative is we, we three throw gazillions of dollars at this right. and, and make no uh, impact. Road to hell. I hope it works. I mean, I really do.
So Your intentions do, are good. We're going to do mailbag at some point. Yes, sir. Awesome. After the news. News next. They caught that Austin bomber. He's dead. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Get you. You'd think I'd be smarter than this. Of course, if you know me, you wouldn't think I'd be smarter than this. But, um, you know, we get pitched. Would you like one of the cabinet secretaries on? And it's from Health and Human Services. And I think, okay, one of your excuse me cabinet secretaries. <laughs> Not like Secretary of State or Secretary of Defense. And his budget is twice the size of defense. And right. defense is bigger than the next ten countries on Earth added together. I mean, it's that's, that's unbelievable. You should answer the question, what's it spent on? Entitlements, dum-dum. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a good answer, because that's the vast majority of the federal budget. We spend all of our time arguing about a smallish chunk of the budget, the discretionary spending. What's that saying some people have? We're, a, we're an insurance company with a military? Yeah, that's the United States. Yeah. yeah, the government is. Yeah. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the suspect in that string of package bombings in Texas is dead Austin Police Chief Brian Manley, telling reporters early this morning... The suspect is deceased... Uh, and has significant injuries from a blast that occurred from detonating a bomb inside his vehicle. Also known as he blew himself apart. Good. Who is he, Marshall? What was he up to? Why was he bombing people? Well, they still don't have any idea of the motives. uh, 24-year-old white male. Austin police and FBI agents reportedly moving in to arrest the suspect at a location north of Austin overnight. They say he tried to run and then eventually blew himself up. We don't know whether he was on his way to deliver another bomb. It is obvious that he had one with him and that's the one that he detonated uh, in the vehicle as we approached. President Trump tweeting, Austin bombing suspect is dead, adding great job by law enforcement. Glad he's dead. He's... I, we, you know, one advantage of having him alive is sometimes you find out what's going on. But he... I'm, I'm also seeing early on that... Uh... They're making it seem like, in the stories I see, they're saying cell phone technology was used to help track him down. Mm. I'm curious to find out what that was. I've seen yeah. things referencing what once they got the warrants, they were right. able to kind of go into his Google search history. Well, we're going to talk to a local newsman in only 20 minutes or 25 minutes, so we'll uh, follow up with him. He was warned not to do it, but President Trump called Russian President Putin and oh, congratulated him on the victory, his electoral victory. The Washington Post says aides had warned Trump in an all-caps note with his briefing materials that said... Do not congratulate. It was unclear whether Trump, who prefers oral briefings, read the talking points. I I, I find that interesting anyway. That, is, is that actually the way it works? You, you get a note that says, don't congratulate the obviously fraudulent elected dictator of an an enemy of the United right. States, who very within the last couple of weeks has launched a chemical t- attack on our friendliest ally and, uh, and, and bombed civilians and hospitals and schools in Syria. Do you need a note card that says don't congratulate that guy in his election to not congratulate him? So that seems crazy to start with. The fact that then he did it anyway is also interesting. And then even worse, to have um, uh, his spokeshole, what's her name? Sanders. 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 Sarah Sanders. Yeah. To have her say when questioned about it said, well, we don't, it's not our business to meddle in. No, that's crazy talk. That's not the way United States acts about fraudulent elections. We stand up and call them out as fraudulent. We always have. Right. Right. Here's what the uh, press secretary said, as Jack was saying. Putin has been elected in their country, and that's not something that we can dictate to them how they operate. Is that a first for the United States to say that about a Cuba or a 
or a, or, or a Saddam Hussein or, or or whoever to act like, well, it's their election and, you know, it's good as far as we know. The word bizarre is overused, but that is a bizarre statement. Do you recall us ever doing that as a country? No, no. No, it's odd. I can't. I can't lending credibility to an obviously fraudulent election. Well, right. And, and listen, the symbolic. Well, the importance of it is almost entirely symbolic, and mostly within Russia, because there is virtually nobody on earth who heard what Trump did and then heard that bizarre explanation by Sanders and said, "Oh, well, maybe it was a good election. Maybe that Putin is an okay True. guy." I don't think anybody did, but within Russia, I'm sure the president's being quoted like crazy now. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, to prop sure. up Putin. I, it's a very odd move. I just, this is, and, and uh, those of you on the left or your Trump haters, you think obviously Putin has a picture of Trump with a horse or a dude or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and clearly. Or a centaur. Is that what those things are called? A who? What's a centaur? A centaur. centaur yeah. Oh, half yeah. man, half horse. Yeah, well, you said a horse or a dude. Maybe yeah, it's it a horse be. dude. Yeah. Well, it could be. That would explain it. Or a dude but, horse, depending on which half is which. Exactly. But, you know, they're usually the one way, but they could be the other. Mm-hmm. A man's body with a horse head. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, where was I? I Remember when, certainly wasn't there. Remember when that was popular, the horse mask? Oh, I still oh, have yeah. it. I'm ready to break it out. Of would, that it were. would that it I were. I think you right, had an Senator. important geopolitical point you were making. Yeah, I think I think I did. I'm almost sure I did. Oh, um, a lot of you assume it's that. I, I, it could be, but I can't wait to hear the answer to the riddle. Well, what, what's, what is the deal with Trump and Putin? What's uh, Ackman's razor, you know, the most likely explanation is usually the one? Is that that club eight ninety five a month? They send you blades. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Don't be a sucker and buy retail. Right now, uh, come up with another explanation. All right, here's one. I thought about this yesterday. I hope it's not true. By the way, I really, really do. It'd be bad for the country if Putin has something on Trump and that's what's going on. But oh yeah, what's the explanation? Third guy in a row. Third president in a row, and you always say you've got to be some kind of egomaniac to think you ought to be president. Third guy in a row thinks, you know what, I can outfox Putin. I know how to handle this guy. And Trump thinks he's going to engage with him. He's going to shake hands and smile across the table. And, and I, you're an oligarch. I'm a powerful man. I've traveled the world and laid with horrors. You have too. As a, come on now, let's talk. With, with Bush, he thought he was looking him in the eye. Right. Obama thought he could charm him because he thinks he can charm everybody. And I just think Trump thinks he can handle Putin. Putin is a great white shark. That's the only way to look at the guy. But that's my only explanation other than the man-horse sex thing. Well, if there is anything, I think Mueller's going to figure it out. So we'll find out. All right. Reports are saying that Amazon is looking into repurposing the old Toys R Us stores as their own. Bloomberg is reports. Oh, that's a little invasion of the body snatchers ish, isn't it? Bloomberg. They're going to hollow out the corpse and take it over. Bruh, I'm Amazon. <laughs> Bloomberg's reporting there are private talks going on that would have the retail giant moving into the bankrupt firm's locations after all the toys are off the shelves. Such a move would expand Amazon's brick and mortar presence even more than the recent acquisition of Whole Foods markets. Not sure exactly what they're planning to do with you, those hulks. You know, well they they want to have the um, they want to have the you can order it and have it you know by this afternoon all over the country. Right. Right now it's just in you know major urban areas where you can pull that off. Obviously, because they don't have warehouses everywhere. There's a lot of Toys R Uses out there. Plus, you know where Toys R Us is, so you could just say the Toys R Uses are now Amazon. Everybody could picture. Oh, okay. Oh, I know where that is. Right. Yeah. 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 Are you more afraid of Putin or Amazon? 
<laughs> in terms of taking over the world. Yeah, long-term Amazon. Yeah. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You throw... Oh, sorry, Squawky. It's your moment in the sun. I yeah. was talking over you. Uh, you include Facebook in that list? and Oh, yeah. No, no that's, a, that's a bigger long-term threat. Yeah. We'll deal with Putin one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Probably just bide our time till he's dead, honestly. The country goes bankrupt. Disaster. Yeah. Which, yeah, they're going to do the Soviet Union thing again where they just run out of money. Um, uh, so you got mailbag because we, uh, we bumped it for the uh, HHS secretary. Yeah, transportation theme this morning, Jack. Autonomous cars and more. <laughs> and more. <laughs> Fantastic. I just, that conversation about all the money in daytime TV, I decided I'm going to audition for it. So stay with us. Stay tuned. Can you hear my smile? I hear your smile. Yeah, good. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. All right. The Armstrong and Getty Show. to a study, being a new mother is the equivalent of working two and a half full-time jobs. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same as working two and a half full-time jobs. Yes. Yeah, and even worse, the boss is constantly grabbing for your breasts all the time. It's the same thing. That's pretty funny. Constantly. That's pretty funny. Uh, so you got that. Uh, humor. Humor. We need it, don't we, to get through the day? Hmm. It's a tough world. Ah, mailbag. <laughs> mailbag. Woo! We don't usually do mailbag. Now it's a special treat for some people. That's right. It's like if you have pizza for breakfast and you think, I don't usually do this, but this is a special treat. Well, we had another cabinet secretary you wanted to get on the show, so we cleared away a little space for him. I caught myself humming this song while I was doing dishes yesterday. There you go. <laughs> I can't believe this wasn't a bigger hit back when it was released in 1966. Actually, I have no... This song is a song, right? I don't know. The Happy Organ. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's get on the mailbag, huh? Got this note from uh, frequent correspondent Andy who uh, quotes a feller. Um... Uh, I was writing about self-driving cars. Autonomous vehicles with laser radar and camera sensors and sophisticated computers have been billed as the way to reduce more than 40,000 traffic deaths. Blah, blah, blah. 94% of crashes are caused by human error, according to the government. And then this quote from University of I South... I don't doubt Ca- that for a bit. Right. University of South Carolina law professor who studies self-driving uh, vehicles, Brian Smith, said, quote, We should be concerned about automated driving. We should be terrified about human driving. A little perspective for you, huh? Those huh? The, KDRC keep dodging robot cars, Andy in Sacramento. I've had this problem since the beginning. They will take driving away from us. They absolutely going to do it, and uh, they're going to use you know the, the, those statistics to do it. And then liability insurance will just get completely out of hand, where you can't afford to drive, and then eventually it'll just be illegal. I guarantee you. So you know, this for whatever times change, dystopian vision. Times change. We go back to walking. No, we'll be in self-driving cars. Oh, I see. Self-driving yourself will be illegal. 
I thought you meant yeah. like self-driving cars. There'd be so much liability risk for no, the no, companies. No, no, no. That... no, it's going to be all okay. self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you'll absolutely be tracked everywhere you go all the time. Note here from Jared in El Cajon, which he points out is Spanish for the Cajon. One of my oldest jokes. It's a good uh, one. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I was ranting to my wife about how much the registration is for my truck. I blamed Jerry Brown and his stupid gas tax to fund his stupid choo-choo. Then I remembered some mushheads saying, build bridges, not walls. I thought, F corrupt California. Build walls, not rails. I like that. Mm. Huh? Build walls, not rails. Well, as we learned yesterday, uh, saying uh, something outlandish has an effect. Um, A positive one. To signal to people, I'm on your side. Yeah. So, the build bridges, not walls. It's a stupid notion. It, it doesn't. But, but what it are sends you to people. About? It sends to people. I'm on this side. Oh, okay. I right. get it. It's like wearing a ribbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more ridiculous the statement, the more effective it is as a ribbon. Because if you said something that's like 51 percent progressive, people might wonder. But if you say something wildly, ridiculously unicornian, then they'll know. That's part of being in the post-truth world. Here's a nice note from Matt. He was uh, talking, uh, well, he was listening to our interview about Facebook yesterday and the the Cambridge Analytical thing and the surveillance uh, advertisement and the rest of it. And he said, I figured I'd delete the app since I rarely use and hate Facebook anyway. I go into my settings to delete the app. Lo and behold, that is impossible on my Samsung phone. You can't delete the Facebook app. I can disable it, but after. The report about data collection, even when in airplane mode, this doesn't give me much confidence. And then he sent a screen capture of um, the Facebook app, um, which apparently indicates you can't delete it. Uh, I'll take your word for it, sir. But that's crazy. huh? It's got to be an agreement between Facebook and Samsung. Probably billions of dollars changed hands, and we don't know. I've tried a couple of times to get off Facebook because we... I don't know why we came up with this stupid idea. We decided we were going to have like a chat room on Facebook for us all to communicate with each other. I don't know why we did that. This is the only effort I've ever made to be on Facebook. But I'll bet because I did that, because I still get emails all the time. I don't have the app. I've never posted anything on Facebook in my life. I've never I've never even really seen a Facebook page in my life. But I'll bet it's collecting data on me all the time just because yeah. it exists out there. Sure, yeah, it's got its tentacles and all sorts of your stuff that you have no idea of. Uh, you know, back to the cars. I'm sorry I put this out of order somehow. Uh, I blame me. Because I did it. A frequent correspondent, Mark, writes, putting the autonomous vehicle in context, about 14 to 15 pedestrians die each day in the U.S. Um, 14 to 15 every day, pedestrians. Huh. Doesn't surprise me. We're a big country. As a professional software developer of over 20 years, I don't believe autonomous cars will ever be viable. Like most computer really? solutions, the first 80% of a problem is typically easy and cheap. However, that last 20% is really, really hard. Interesting. That can be said of a lot of things in life. You know, trying to become really good at something, rise to the top of something. Uh, interacting with people will literally require deciding the trolley problem in software. I would never trust my life to software. And, no, and nobody ever brings up, because I think this is going to be a huge part of it, the liability concerns. Is there a way around that? Who Who's going to pay in when, when things go wrong? Is it just going to be too expensive to do? The government will institute regulations that say you can't sue for this, that, or the other. It's like, you know, there are uh, cops and uh, politicians on various levels. You can't sue the government over some stuff. They'll just pass laws. Um, let's see. Imagine if the people who die from human operators is Group A and the people who die from autonomous cars is Group B. 
So far, the only arguments are about Group B being smaller than Group A, which is true. Fewer people will be killed, I believe. But he goes on to say, what's really discussed is that not everyone in Group B is a person in Group A. That is, some people will die to autonomous vehicles that would not have died to human operators. That is not an ethical problem software, frankly, people can deal with. Yeah, I don't... uh, I, I appreciate the philosophical discussion there, but I think if you can reduce deaths, if you can demonstrate you'll reduce deaths... I think people go for it. Is, am I the only person that, is, that that would be more bothered to be run over by a robot car than a human driving it? I don't know why that I just seems worse somehow, like I, I something worse has happened. I, I don't know why that seems worse either, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. uh, well, it's it, it's a different kind of horror. We're used to the horror of people piloting. You know, 2,000-pound hunks of steel while they're not paying attention. God dang it. I saw the worst cell phone driving biatch in my life yesterday. This woman was looking at her phone block after. I happened to be going where she was going. Block after block. She would, like, come to a halt mid-block as she's staring at her phone. And then she'd, like, half turn and drift over here and drift back. And I was honking at her. She, she did not care. God dang it. I wanted to. I don't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something. You friggin' lunatic. Your big friggin' Lexus SUV? What's the matter with you? Sorry, where were we? Ah. Well, no time. No time. More on that later. As David Cassidy said on his deathbed, so much wasted time. That's something we got to deal with. David it, Cassidy? Is uh, <laughs> the the texting and the doing all the stuff on our phone in our cars. Oh it, just, it just shouldn't be allowed. I swear, I wanted to drag that woman out of her car and slap her. What, who are you? What are you thinking? Pull over, you lunatic. Yeah. And when you drive by, you drive by in traffic today. You look in people's windows. If you look up your from your phone for a second to look in people's windows, right? You'll see a lot of people staring at their phone. And then text us immediately how many people you see staring at their phone. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, good stuff. The Armstrong and Getty Show.